Hello and welcome to your path to success with Ruth Kearns Bowman. During the past couple of months, we've all been adjusting to a world impacted by the global COVID-19 pandemic, both personally and professionally. As leaders, it's an opportunity for us to step up to lead ourselves as well as our teams and our organizations through an uncertain and shifting landscape. While holding the reality of the personal cost of this situation to so many, Based on my own experiences and those of my clients, I've decided to adapt my podcast for this season and invite some leaders and experts to share their perspectives on some of the challenges we're facing in the current environment in a series of conversations on leading through the COVID-19 crisis. In this first interview, I talked to Debbie Croft, co-founder of Thriving Talent, about how to thrive when working, schooling and parenting from home. One of the key things we cover is about how to have healthy conversations at home and work that enable us to thrive. That includes doing things like agreeing structures and plans, on talking about how to share tasks, how to meet everyone's core needs, and how to review and learn. Given the current circumstances, we had to conduct this interview each from our own home, so you'll notice a difference in the sound quality compared to previous episodes. Nevertheless, there are some real gems in here, not just for how to lead through this crisis, but how to lead through into the future with authenticity, integrity, and have a greater impact. Enjoy the interview. So I'm very, very happy to welcome Debbie Croft today. Um, Debbie's a co-founder and managing partner of Thriving Talent, And Thriving Talent is a multilingual team of consultants, certified coaches and trainers based here in Switzerland. And they work on providing solutions to help organizations become more diverse and inclusive. Debbie, thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation with me today. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you for inviting me. We've known each other for a little while now, a few years. We're both co-active coaches and we're both members of... BPW Lake Geneva, uh, which is the business and professional women's club. And we're all there to support each other in our professional lives, particularly. Um, And I wanted to ask you that question. Why are you so passionate about advancing women in the workplace? Well, interestingly, Ruth, I didn't set out with this agenda, per se, to advance women. It's, It's actually evolved from a very strong belief that all women have the right to choose a caring role and a career. And that's without the, the guilt and the overwhelm and often the feeling of failure that, that's felt. So when I moved from a career of project management in IBM um, to start our first coaching and training business back in 2010, I spent hundreds of hours working with women initially who'd either left work many years before to look after their children and they really missed their professional identity or women who had returned to work after the maternity leave and were on the risk of burnout because the only way to advance their career certainly here in Switzerland was working 100% and I didn't have that experience Ruth when I was at IBM I wasn't nervous about having conversations with team managers when I was pregnant Yes, I knew I would need to make compromises. And and in fact, I moved off external client work to work internally. And I wanted to work 60% um, and travel less. 
but all of that was my own choice. And, and it did feel possible to, to make those choices, but then I also progressed professionally. And I was being reminded daily that it didn't feel possible to have both of those here in Switzerland. And, and that really bothered me. Um, so what's happened is it's become very clear that when you enable caring in Korea, it's a real significant lever for gender parity. And so if you can bring in environments where you can have the caring, then you can actually advance women. Um, and Natalie Wilkins, who's a co-founder, and I, we have four girls between us. And we know that, according to the um, WEF, the gender gap will take, rather shockingly, 257 years to close um, globally. And in Western Europe, it's only 54 years. And she says only, but when you've got four girls between you, it's quite a driving force and a motivation to carry on doing the work we do to enable caring and career. Um, so it really has evolved in the last 10 years, but it's my daily motivation um, to making a difference here, especially in Switzerland, so that all women can advance as they, as they should do, as they have the right to do. You know, we're here to have a conversation about these you know, interesting times we're living in right now. And the whole topic of combining the caring role and the professional role is one which is very front of mind for a lot of people right now, whether it be kids or aging parents. Um, all of these worlds are colliding right now. Um, mm. You know, what are the key things that you're seeing with your clients that are coming up for people and even for yourself, you know, we're both, uh, you know, working at home with our kids at home at the moment and with partners who are working. What, what, what are the key things coming up in this scenario? Well, so as you say, personally, um, I'm working at home with, with my partner and two, and two girls. Um, Olivia's nearly 14 and Alexandra's 11. Um, and and it, it is a massive learning curve. I'm trying to juggle, you know, personal and professional roles. But also, I think, you know, with this situation, what's been highlighted, you know, for me personally, and of course, for many we speak to is, is it has shifted the priority of what we're, we're focusing our time and energy on. So a lot of people, myself included, are probably looking out for neighbours more than we did before. Um, you know, that, that importance of community. Um, and it has slowed things down enough for people to become more aware of other values they have that they want to also honour. Um, and yet, ironically, it's also adding another to-do. So if I look at the current situation, you know, the impact on us is, well, first of all, many organisations in Switzerland weren't even set up for remote working. You know, it's something that at Thriving Talent we've been driving the agenda on because we know it's, it's so important to have flexible working systems, again, to advance women and men. It's a generational thing as well. So we've been catapulted into this remote working. Many of us um, weren't equipped or prepared for it. So, so what it means is the impact on, on men and women together is everyone's scrambling to find, okay, how do we make this work? How do we ensure that we have 
keep our commitments at work and our personal commitments. Um, and what it's highlighted to us is, is similar to when post-maternity leave, actually, when women are going back to work, we, we, we often run these post-maternity workshops to help people transition back. And probably the first bit of guidance we, we suggest to women is you need to take a step back and look at all the different tasks that happen in, at home and share them between you. So you, you need to move away from maybe traditional roles you had. Um, and that's what we're seeing here is a lot of people in the first two or three weeks kept their traditional roles, which is fine when you're both working away from the office and the children are at school. But actually, that doesn't work when it's seven days a week. And in an example is, again, if we're being uh, very traditional, is, um, you know, if one person is always responsible for, say, the cooking, well, suddenly that's three meals a day, whereas before maybe it was only one or two, um, as well as juggling everything else that's going on. So I think what the impact we're seeing is it's highlighting the need for people to have these conversations again to, to share the workload that comes from being at home and working um, and that does that does create different stresses there's no doubt about it um, but on, on a positive it does help people transition to a new way of working which you know hopefully we'll see continue even after this virus yeah I mean, one of the things you talked about was having a conversation about things which sometimes when we've got uh you know, we, we all run our daily lives in a certain way. It can feel awkward, can't it, to have a, have a mm. conversation about who's going to do what. Um, you know, we were talking a bit earlier about the fact that as coaches, this is the kind of thing we, we're used to doing. How, how do you help people go about having those conversations? So we, we've been running many webinars for both clients and, and you know, individuals on these how to have healthy conversations because it's one thing sitting down and having a very good conversation about how we're going to share the workload and maybe you know as a as a family you, you've done that very well um you know, i know that in the croft household we sat down when we had the news that the girls would be working from home and john and i would that um we sat down we had a planning session um sat around we talked about okay what is the next couple of weeks going to look like how are we going to manage it um, and, and that was actually very positive and very successful, um, probably because we used, everyone had a voice, everyone could share what was important to them, um, everyone had an opinion and, and that was important to listen to. So we probably used a lot of the skills we're taught as coaches in terms of effective listening and not listening and then interrupting because you want to share what, what's important to you. So, so that was a, you know, a great starting point um, and something that we, we encourage you know, a lot of our clients. Actually, where this is even more important that you, know, you probably will resonate with you as well is that once you've agreed those structures and plans, is, well, how do we keep them? And, and it's when, whether it's at work, where, when team members or your manager maybe isn't respecting the agreements that you, you came up with two or three weeks ago, um, or maybe the family aren't, aren't respecting the agreements of who's doing what meal or who's taking the dog out for a walk. 
um, that's when you've got to have these probably more courageous conversations uh, and share, you know, share feedback. Um, so the guidance we'll, we'll often start with is we, we, we encourage the use of SOMA. So um, SOMA is a, it's a tool that is based on nonviolent communication and adapted from the Centre of Creative Leadership. You've probably heard of it yourself, Ruth. Um, mm. But it's a great tool to, to use at work and at home to, to really get people to start thinking about explaining the situation. So the S is for situation. You know, this is a context. Um, you know, we, we agreed that you would do breakfast um, on Monday and Tuesday, for example. And then you go to the O for SOMA, the, the observed behaviour. And what I noticed is that um, the last two mornings, there's been no breakfast on the table. Um, and then the, the, the M is the meaning to you. So again, you're not making it about that person. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You're saying, so for me, um, what it meant is I, I couldn't sit down and have my breakfast as we agreed at that time. And instead, I spent my first half an hour organizing breakfast. Um, and, and the impact meant I started work late, for example. And then you ask for the other person's point of view. So the A is the asking for the other point of view. Because what you're doing there is you're trying to have a framework to encourage people to share their perspective. And it might yeah. be that when you do that piece, the other person who is meant to be doing breakfast, in our example, said, oh, actually, you know, I'm really sorry, it's because I mean, maybe I didn't sleep for two nights. Or, but it just it gives you, it gives you a, a a framework to have a conversation which isn't about attacking another individual for what they didn't or didn't do or how they did it. It's more about taking the emotion out and sticking to the facts and saying how something feels to you. Um, so that's a really useful tool that, gosh, we use at home, but it's saying that we encourage people to use um, in their own lives as well. Mm. Yeah, it's so, so helpful to be able to have a conversation um, without you know resorting to you know blame and all those other things and assumptions about you know what the person's should or shouldn't have done and and yet you know emotions are running quite high at the moment aren't they mm. and um that there are a lot of things which little things which i've noticed like um uh, well, my my husband was very gracious to me because I, I don't have a commute i work from home anyway so in many ways it's uh easy for me to work from home but what I what I do every morning is I go for a walk and he said to me you uh -huh. need to go for your walk every morning because otherwise you're going to go crazy and then you're going to drive me crazy um <laughs> after, after a little while I realized that he didn't have his commute and that was a key time for him to um you know wind down from work and, and you know debrief for himself a little bit and his emotions so we had to work out a new way of doing that you know mm. how can people deal with the fact that, that they are under a lot of pressure and, and there's a, a risk that we, we don't do this in a healthy way because our healthy structures for doing it are disrupted. Mm. Well, one of the techniques that I know I use and encourage others to use is, is sometimes you feel there's so much going swirling around in your head. You know, and that's where those moments probably when you have your walk in the morning, it allows people to just distill some of the thoughts. And what what I recommend and we recommend at Thriving Talent is is actually 
taking regular pauses to to first of all think what is important to me right now so what are all the different parts of life not just work but life that are important to me and and what are we what do i need to do and ask for to make those possible um so first of all it's taking that step back and asking yourself what is it that i need because often we we forget to do that um and i think when your whole structure has changed we tend to try and carry on as we were before and of course we know that's not that's not possible um so to your point on that transition time we'll often say to people you know find a different way of a transition if you're not commuting what's another way to transition before you leapfrog from say working at the laptop and being in conversations with your team to then being you know mum or dad or looking after an aging parent um and that can be simply a case of actually before i launched into family life i i will go and um take a walk or or do something different um we often say to to new parents actually um where there's feelings of guilt or stress or overwhelm that what's what's really important is filling your own battery so to be the best person you want to be um at home at work you've got to have that full battery and and that full battery actually will allow you to manage those stress and that anxiety that, that is coming up that's showing up a lot at the moment and this is a question you know i ask of myself and of others is well what gives you that feeling of a full battery that energizes you mm. um you know for me i know that if i go for a daily walk or run um and i'm you know and i'm starting my day in a healthy way with eating and i do have those moments of pure quality time with the girls not quantity but quality time that i feel really energized yeah um and so they they if you like your non negotiables and this is where it's really important to have those clarity of what are my non negotiables that i need to ensure are in my daily or weekly world so that i can manage i'm not going to pretend it's not there but i can manage my stress and the some of the anxiety i'm feeling um and that's a really big part of of helping each other too because then part of being as as a group is saying to each other and this isn't just at home this is at work is you know for me to be the best person this is what i need these are my boundaries this is how i'm going to work um and i need you to trust me that i will commit i will do what i said i'm going to do but let me do it my way mm. yeah, and uh, and that tends to help an interesting one there i think is also not just how we do this in the family which we've been talking about you know how do i you know manage myself or my own energy but how do we have those conversations with our managers or direct reports because you know one of the phenom- phenomena of this scenario is that you know we see all these memes of people on a conference call with a you know child sitting on their head and you know the cat comes <laughs> in and the, and and you know it's people are all trying to manage this complicated situation and yet it's so easy for for us to act with our colleagues like you know nothing's happening here you know it's all normal mm-hmm. but we need that space to do it in our own way how can, how can we do that how can we have those um you know the, those powerful conversations within within work teams mm. and and leadership structures well 
really what you're speaking to, I always think, is 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 the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to to show up, you know, authentically and and with what what else is going on in your world and and. The fact is, in, in many cultures and organisations, and which still exist, and we see it here, you know, in Switzerland, but across Europe, still is is a leadership mindset of you know presenteeism and visibility versus one of results. And and what that fuels is the kind of behaviour or the pressure to be constantly visible, you know, online, digitally, on calls. Um, and it may be that there are sometimes that that is, puts a huge pressure on you because of family, because of other commitments. So what's really important in a team at work is having conversations around how do we build trust? Because if you have the trust in place, then people are more likely to be very honest and show up and explain what they need at that time or whether they maybe can't be present for a certain reason. Um, so the, the focus here is really... As an individual, how can I trust myself, but how can I also promote more trust with my colleagues and my managers? Um, and having that courage to share feedback of, you know, what's going well and what's not going so well. Um, and when you can have those healthy conversations at work, again, it gives full permission for others to also step into that vulnerability and share what's working well for them and what isn't. Um, and this is really a time for leaders. So, you know, anyone who's listening to the podcast as a, as a, as a leader is to role model that behavior, to role model that maybe you're having days where it's feeling rather overwhelming or stressful um, and, and show that what matters is the results. It doesn't matter how individuals and the team get to those results, but that's the focus and people's well-being. Um, and, and as a leader, this is where we really need to step up and make sure we're encouraging people to have those healthy habits and really step into self-compassion. Because um, we often, especially the high achievers amongst us, put even more pressure on ourselves than we need to. Um, and, and this is a time when we need to lower the bar mm. because there's just there's so many, so many other things to think about. Um, so, yeah, I think trust I, I, and empathy are critical here. And, and I think it's also about clarity, isn't it, from mm. uh, as a leader, what is really important here um, and acknowledging the, the, the challenges and, and, and the pressures that there are right now. You know, this is what this is what the expectation is or this is what's really needed rather than demanding that everyone's everywhere at once and, and everything carries on as normal. Um, it, it, if people don't have that clarity, it, it becomes very difficult for them then to make choices. Yeah, exactly. And it's clarity on the results, so the goals, what's the priorities, and it's clarity on how, as a team, you know, everyone's communicating. What are the agreements, the new agreements, based on this remote working? Um, and often that step gets mixed, missed. And then, of course, we're now, some of us are into, say, week four or five, depending on where you are in, the, in Europe. Um, and that's where we start to see the pain points because that clarity wasn't set out at the beginning. But it's never too late. You know, you can you can exactly. have those conversations now in terms of. And actually, one of the things we recommend and we do as a family is is just regularly take a step back and ask ourselves what is working well. 
you know what what's not going so well so you you do that kind of weekly retrospection um and mm-hmm. that allows you to constantly make tweaks because you know, we this is probably going to be quite a long roller coaster um and what might be working well one week doesn't necessarily mean it will work well the second week um mm. so that weekly retrospection as a team at work as a team at home is is a great way to keep people sane and to have those healthy conversations rather than get into those situations where we see where people hold everything in and then there's this big volcanic eruption um <laughs> where everything comes out at once which obviously has a real negative impact on all concerned so yeah. having regular conversations really important here i think it's interesting because it's actually um it's highlighting something which would be good to do anyway in terms of learning you know learning what's working so that mm. we can adapt and move forward but it feels even more relevant at the moment because this is a kind of a, a golden opportunity in a way to um, because of external pressure to learn to do things differently and to, you know, really ask ourselves what's important and what's not. And maybe some of these things that we were doing um, weren't as necessary or adaptive as we thought. You know, what, what, do, what lessons do you think we can learn from this situation that, that you hope as, as well will improve the future for, for balancing kind of work and life or for bringing together our professional and our caring roles? Um, I, I think there's a few things for me that come up is, is I, I get the sense that there's an awful lot more appreciation. You know, when you talk to people and people often say, well, you know, I'm lucky because, you know, I'm healthy or the family's healthy and, um, or people who've, um, you know, had people have the virus and, and, and luckily recover from it. You know, there's a sense of gratitude. Uh, and and I hope that one of the things we learn is to remember how important it is to have that appreciation and gratitude rather than continue to race around like we, we all have for a number of years, which I don't think is and was sustainable. Um, so I, I'm hoping that that continues and, and people remember to practice that art of gratitude. I think professionally, one of the benefits of this pandemic if you like is working flexibly and being trusted to work flexibly and empowered to work flexibly again is is another huge enabler for people to balance their personal and professional lives um it's, it's a huge enabler to advance women if we think of our topic and in switzerland many organizations may have had flexible working policies on their website but it wasn't embedded in their culture it was still seen as a nice to have and if you were lucky enough to have a good manager then then you'd be able to work flexibly um and one of the lessons learned will need to be that actually in a lot of cases appreciate not all but a lot of cases of course it's possible to be productive and engaged by working remotely and what i think will happen is a lot of individuals are going to return to work as we transition back with a very different set of expectations and needs. And many will be coming back and actually making those requests to change their working hours to work in a more flexible way because they've proven to themselves more than anything that they can and they've proven to the company they can. So I think one of the things we're going to see is we'll accelerate the adoption of flexible working, especially here 
in Switzerland, but in other countries in Europe too, which I think will have a very positive impact on people's well-being personally and professionally. Um, so that's definitely a big lesson learned. Um, and, and I think the final thing is the importance of connection and community. Um, mm. You know, we talked at the beginning how people are really stepping into taking care of others in the community and neighbours. Uh, and again, that's a new habit for many. And, and let's hope that's a lesson that we continue to, to, to live post this coronavirus, that we do slow down enough to even notice what's going on for our neighbours and in our community and our role to help them. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, see, let's see what evolves. But there are definitely some positives that are going to come out of this, this new way of living and working. Mm. More flexibility, more openness and awareness about caring and the communication that, that comes with that. Of these uh, really speaks to me, these courageous conversations that we can have about, you know, what's important, what do we really need and how can we work better together to, to achieve a common solution? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Debbie. I think we're going to close oh, it there. thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon. I'm not quite sure when that's going to be. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, are you, um, do you have any more webinars coming up or things that people can connect to, uh, where, where people connect to your resources at Thriving Talent? Yeah, I mean, there's, <coughs> we're, we're regularly running webinars um, for both Thriving Talent, but also our, our sister company, Thriving Parents, um, where there'll be a free webinar next Thursday. Um, for Again, just to help people recalibrate on what's going well and what, what they need to change. Um, so if, if you look on our, on our website um, at Thriving Talent, um, you'll see all the different resources that are there for, for you know, everybody. And then, of course, individual clients are also asking for specific webinars for them to have for their, for their employees. And I think that really links more to the community piece, Ruth, where being live on a webinar with your own peers and colleagues and, and hearing them talk about the challenges and, and the ideas they're coming up with is a great way to have a sense of community and also help people through this period. So there's lots going on, um, but yeah, please do tap into all of the resources that you'll see on, on the website at um, www.thrivingtalent.solutions. Um, so yeah, keep in contact on there. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yes, likewise. The sun is shining, so um, we're very lucky. <laughs> Comes back yeah. to appreciation. Exactly. Do you have a situation at home or work which is calling out for a courageous conversation? If so, I encourage you not to let it fester, but to try out Debbie's tips for how to have that conversation in a healthy and respectful way. As Debbie said, you can find out more about Thriving Talent by visiting their website, thrivingtalent.solutions. Or if you would like some coaching support for you or your team during this challenging time, you can contact me by my website, yourpathtosuccess.ch. And I'll be back with another conversation on leading through the COVID-19 crisis just as soon as I can.